For, I am wound for sound today. I've got two cups of coffee running through me, so I am ready to go. Uh, hey, if I see a Tim Hortons, I'm stopping there. I'm picking something up. Uh, so anyway, it's a blessing to be with you guys today. Uh, as Pastor said, my name is Thomas, and right here in the back is my wife, Rebecca, and our two sons, Luke and Owen. Honey, if you wouldn't mind waving. This is her back here. And um, we are missionaries to the U.S. territory of Guam. Now, a little bit about, our, uh, about my personal testimony before we get into the presentation today. Uh, I was saved as a young boy. Uh, dad, was, uh, dad, uh, dad was in the U.S. military, so we moved around a lot. And uh, he was saved when he had first gotten in the military and uh, lit, uh, grew up in a drunkard's home, uh, never went to church growing up, and he decided that he did not want that kind of environment for his kids, and he wanted his kids to have the opportunity to be saved earlier on in life. So starting at age three, for my sister and myself, he would take us aside and read to us a passage of Scripture every night and then explain to us our need for Jesus Christ as our Savior. For me, this went on until I was seven years old, and there at the Marine Corps base there in Quantico, Virginia, uh, I received Christ as my Savior. Not long after that, uh, Dad received orders to go to this small island out in the southwest Pacific Ocean. Uh, we were kind of scared about it, especially since the fellow who gave him the orders, he asked him where on earth the island was, and he didn't even know. So it's kind of scary when the U.S. government doesn't know where they're sending you. Not surprising, but scary. But uh, we got over there, and God just knit our hearts with the people, just a wonderful uh, group of people, the Chamorros, and uh, God just... Uh, put a burden on our hearts and my heart specifically for the Chamorro people and for our servicemen and women stationed there. Uh, I was not called to preach at the time, but just had a burden for those people as a young boy. Not long after that, Dad retired, got out of the Navy, and we landed in Lexington, Kentucky, where we started to attend Clays Mill Baptist Church, uh, Pastor Jeff Fugit there. And uh, my sister and I, we just got involved in whatever we could. We wanted to help out wherever we could, just help out wherever there was a need. Uh, unfortunately, though, we found out real quick they don't let 11-year-olds involved in the jail ministry. I don't understand why. What's, what's the worst that could happen? Uh, but we um, just wanted to be a help. And finally, in my sophomore year of high school, there at Circle C Baptist Ranch, uh, God called me to preach, and God called me into missions. However, uh, there was one problem. God did not lay on my heart where to go as a missionary. So I started... Uh, getting advice from my teachers and started studying the Bible more and learned a valuable principle, and that is when you don't know the long-term will of God in your life, you just keep doing the current will of God in your life, do what he wants you to do, and he'll open that up in his timing. And so this went on for me until my sophomore year of Bible college there at Commonwealth Baptist College in Lexington, Kentucky. And uh, that night in prayer, uh, God laid on my heart, well, why don't you go back to Guam? Why don't you plant churches there? You know the need. Uh, you've seen the need firsthand. Why don't you go there and plant churches? And so I surrendered my life to be a missionary to the U.S. territory of Guam. Not long after that, I met a young lady from Michigan who absolutely hated my guts. Spoiler alert, she's sitting right over there with my two kids. But, uh, God just knit our hearts together, and after her first year, would you believe that God called her and laid on her heart to be a missionary's wife? And guess who needed a wife? So I relentlessly pursued that ambition, and in June of 2018, we were married, and uh, in October, 
2020. I got that right. Yes, that's right. We had our first son, Luke. Today is actually his third birthday. And so it's uh, just been a blessing and amazing. And this past February, we had our youngest son, Owen. God has been good. We've been on the road for about two years now, raising support. We're at about 80% of our support raised right now. So we're looking forward to getting to the field. We're almost done, and uh, we're just itching to go. So every pastor and every church we visit to pray with us about. And the first ministry on the island of Guam is that of the Chamorro people. Uh, What archaeologists estimate that they have lived on the island for about 1,500 years, and in that time... Uh, they have had, um, uh, about 500 years ago, there was a uh, fellow by the name of Ferdinand Magellan. You may remember his name. He uh, sailed around the world, and he uh, brought, really brought Guam to the main forefront of the world. And uh, he discovered it, and when he was leaving, he left behind his Catholic chaplain. And that Catholic chaplain planted the first Catholic church there on Guam, and from there, plant A spread out, and now there are 27 Catholic churches in Guam's 24 villages. Now, just a side note that I bring up to everybody, if the Catholic church can plant a church in every village with three to spare, so can we. We can do that, too. We Baptists can plant churches just as well. And so we, uh, uh, when we were over there, uh, we got to go soul winning quite a bit for our survey trip there in August of 21, and my soul winning partner... Brother Conrad, he was a Filipino fella. I tell you what, if you ever get to go soul winning with a Filipino fella, it will change your life. I had a blast. They're firecrackers. They talk so fast you can't understand them. It's awesome. But we were knocking on one lady's door, and she opened it up, and uh, uh, we told her we were from the Baptist church down the road, and she, uh, you could tell she didn't really want to have anything to do with us, but uh, we got her to open up, and she said she was from the Catholic church down the road, Uh, But she didn't want to talk about the Bible. She did, however, want to talk about the flowers in her garden. So we started talking about that, trying to find a way to weave that conversation back to salvation. And she made a comment to me that I'll never forget. And that was, I wish there was a way I could go to God directly and ask for forgiveness of sin and not go through a priest. Now, I won't ask you to turn there, but in Matthew chapter 27, verse 51... The Lord Jesus is crucified. He's given up the ghost. And what ends up happening, we all know the story, but the veil of the temple is rent. And what that is, that is a picture, that is an image, meaning that you and I, we don't need to go to a man, we don't need to go to a priest, a pastor, missionary, evangelist. You and I can go to God directly and ask for for forgiveness of sin because Jesus is our high priest. Those simple truths, it is sad to see that those simple truths, people have been blinded, and they don't even know about that. How many generations of Chamorro people died thinking that they had a relationship with Christ, that they knew Christ and they knew God, and yet one day woke up, opened their eyes, and they were in hell? Generations. The second ministry that I would ask you to pray for is the servicemen and women stationed over there. A little bit about my dad's testimony. As I said earlier, he was raised in a drunkard's home, never heard the name of Christ, never heard about God unless they were being cursed, used in vain, Uh, never darkened the doors of of a church until he was dating my mom, and uh, she took him to church, and he thought we were all crazy. Um, Of course, it was a church in southeast Kentucky, so I can't really blame him. (laughs) I'm a Kentuckian. I can make fun of Kentucky. (laughs) But... 
So he decided to try and uh, they were getting serious and they got married and he decided that he did not want to raise a family in that kind of environment. So he joined the U.S. Navy. And one day when he was coming home from work, he looked on the ground and he saw a little church track, just a little church invitation. He started reading that on board the bus going home and he got saved. When he got home, he went to my mom and he said, hey, we got to start going to church somewhere this Sunday. And so they looked in a phone book and looked up the word church to find one. You young people that are in here don't know what a phone book is. Count your blessings. They're annoying as all get out. Uh, But uh, when uh, when you do look up the word church in a phone book, you get a plethora of options, just a buffet of different churches. And so they got a little discouraged, and they went back to that track, and it said so-and-so Baptist church on the back, and they started going to a Baptist church that Sunday. I say that to say this, I would not be standing here before you, I don't even know if I'd be saved, if it wasn't for somebody, some born-again believer, that had a heart for our servicemen and women. It is sad to see that many of those servicemen and women that put their lives on the line, defending the freedom that we're using right now, many of them have never been given the gospel. Freedom... It's very interesting about freedom. Freedom, there are two types of freedom in life. There's eternal freedom and temporal freedom. Eternal freedom, but what's interesting is both of them are bought and paid for by blood. Eternal freedom was bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. And you and I can have that today. Temporal freedom is always bought and paid for by the blood of men and women willing to lay down their lives to defend it. What we get to do right now, meeting in, in an open assembly, this is rare. This is, uh, this is a privilege. Many places across the world cannot have this. Uh, we see that flag right there. I forget. I think that's supposed to be Vietnam, but it's a communist country. Communist countries, they kill Christians. They arrest Christians. But we get to stay here, and we get to meet openly because... Somebody was willing to sacrifice for our freedom. So those are the two ministries that we are facing right now that God has called us to. Please keep us in your prayers. Uh, We are excited to get over to Guam quickly. Uh, We are almost soon there. Uh, I will be heading over there as soon as possible once our support is raised, and we're excited to get over there to help Pastor Barnes and to go plant a church in the village of Manilao. Uh, When we were over there, uh, God just knit our hearts with the people Uh, The Chamorro people are just fantastic. They do Baptist proud. They know how to cook. And so they are very good cooks over there. But uh, they have a wonderful heart for people. And they they have a heart for the Lord. They have a heart for the Lord. But many of the things that they've been taught are are Catholic doctrine. And they're just simply not true. It's not Bible. And uh, many of them feel that uh, that they are on their way to heaven. But they cannot give... Uh, a time of salvation. They cannot tell you that they were saved, but they will tell you they were baptized. They, were, they will tell you that their mother and grandmother went to church. That's not how you get saved. You get saved through faith in Christ. You get saved through the blood of Christ. So please keep us in your prayers. Uh, if you have not yet, please get a prayer card at the end of the service and uh, at the end of all the services. Please keep us in your prayers. Now, if you do have a prayer card, Uh, I will make a little uh, public service announcement. You will notice that there is a problem on here. We are missing a family member. So 
uh, for $5 at the end of the service, I will draw a little stick figure baby on here for you. That's a joke. I'll do it for free. But, um, Owen, we will, uh, I will add that on there for you. But we appreciate your prayers. The Bible says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Uh, how many times we've been on the road, and you other missionaries in here, you will attest to this, but how many times we've been on the road, we've been in a dangerous situation, and God has blessed us and pulled us through it because the children of God, the people at church, were praying for us. And I, I covet those prayers, and I appreciate those prayers. So thank you very much, and thank you once again for everybody here and Pastor for allowing my family and I to be here. Uh, we have loved our time up in New York We've been here for about two weeks now, and uh, it's been wonderful. I am, uh, was wondering what on earth happened to the heat. It was warm here one day, and next thing I know, it's uh, a little cold, but we packed for it. Praise the Lord. My wife had the foresight to uh, pack some sweaters. See, I'm a man. I don't pack, I don't pack more than a day ahead. So uh, I had one day's worth of clothes, and they were all summer clothes. But anyway, uh, we'll go ahead and get into the lesson today. If you wouldn't mind turning with me in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 96. Psalm chapter 96. Is this my water? Uh, Thank you. My uh, allergies are kicking in. Wonderful time of the year, isn't it? Psalm chapter 96. Now, I I will squash some rumors right now. Yes, I am from Kentucky. But... I do have all my teeth, and I am wearing shoes to church today. Y'all are blessed. Normally, I don't wear shoes to church, but (laughs) Psalm chapter 96, uh, we'll read the first six verses. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord, bless his name. Show forth his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among all people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. And let's pray today. Lord Jesus, we pray that you please bless the service today. Uh, Please bless this time of fellowship in your house. Please fill me with your spirit, with your power. Please let every word that comes out of my mouth be from you. Uh, Lord Jesus, we pray that if there is anyone here that isn't saved, that doesn't know where they would go when they die, would you please work on their hearts and please show them their need for you today. Lord, we pray that if there be anybody here who who isn't quite right with you, please work on their hearts and get them right with you today. Please bless uh, this service and the services to come and the preachers preaching throughout this uh, conference. Please bless the rest of this conference. Please show us the need for missions, the need for reaching others for Christ. And uh, please help us throughout this day and time of fellowship. In your name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Um, Psalms has quickly become one of my favorite books. This past year, I've I've been doing a study into this book. And I tell you what, uh, though it is a book of songs, that's what these are meant to be. They're meant to be sung. Uh, These are fascinating uh, songs. uh, The Uh, Psalmist David wrote these, and uh, this uh, first eight verses in 96, in chapter 96, are very interesting. 
You see, uh, we usually think of the Great Commission when considering missions. Uh, we usually think that uh, that is where missions started. But I'm here to tell you, missions started long before that. Missions started long before the Great Commission. Missions started in the very book of Genesis. Uh, the moment that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, uh, God knew that there was going to be a price to be paid, and Jesus Christ was going to be that price. And Jesus Christ was set to come down from that moment and be that sacrifice. From that moment, God had a very har- uh, heart for missions. Uh, it first beat in his heart before it was ever breathed as the life-sustaining force into his church. The gospel he has given us is a mission- missions message. If it could not save every sinner, there would be no reason to take it to every nation. The Great Commission is a a missions mandate, and it identifies the local church, this building right here, as the center for world evangelism. Uh, This is where it starts. Uh, With you, with everybody here today, it starts in the local church. Uh, Missionary to Africa, David Livingston, once said, God had only one son, and he made that son a missionary. Uh, Jesus Christ was the greatest missionary to ever live. He was the greatest missionary to ever walk the face of the earth. And I'm glad that he's going to be coming back someday and picking the rest of us up. Uh, just a little side note, I get excited. Uh, you watch the news, you have one, or, one of two options. You can either get depressed or get excited. Because the darker this world gets, that means we're getting closer to the Lord. Uh, just a few notes here today on, if you were to title this, me- uh, this uh, uh, message, it would be to know Christ and to make him known, the very foundation of missions. Uh, we, uh, number one, we are compelled when we look around. Here's a few numbers today that uh, I compiled. The world population is roughly about 7.9 billion people. That's a lot of people. I-, I have a hard time wrapping my head around that. I don't know if that's because I'm a Kentuckian or, or something else. But that's a lot of people. It is estimated that 3.19 billion of the world's population is unreached. There are 7,367 unreached people groups in the world. Now, uh, we'll define an unreached people group as a unique segment of the global population that is less than 2% Christian. Seven, over 7,000 groups of people that is less than 2% Christian. We were uh, in New York City uh, this past week, and uh, what a fun town that is. That's, that's, that's a crazy town. It's insane. I'm outside New York City, so I can make those jokes now, I guess. But anyway, we had a fun time. We had a blast, got to go witnessing a little bit, and uh, it, was, it was a good time. But one thing that I noticed, besides the crazy driving, was that there is a serious need for the gospel in that town. You realize how many people live there? Millions and millions of people live in that one town by itself. I, the missionary I was talking to, he, uh, he, I asked him, how many Baptist churches are here? How many Baptist churches are here that are doing something? And he told me, well, I'd say roughly 15 to 20. 15 to 20 churches for millions of people. If that doesn't strike your heart, if that doesn't work on your heart to reach people for Christ, I don't know what will. The need is great. The harvest is out there. We need more laborers for the field. 
The psalmist invited all the peoples of the earth to worship the Lord. Israel was special to God, but they often forgot they were supposed to be lights to the Gentiles and witnesses to the world of the glory of God. Uh, Now tell me if this sounds familiar. Uh, uh, The people of Israel uh, were called out by the Lord. They are the chosen people of God. They are the children of God. And uh, sometimes they would look at the Gentile world, the rest of the world, and they would get a little arrogant and start to think that the rest of the world was beneath them and that they were, uh, they were the thing. They were it. Uh, sadly, many Christians today and many churches today are in that situation. Uh, we get in the situation where we think that uh, we are saved, we are the greatest thing since sliced bread, and we don't need to reach the lost and dying world around us. We are content with just sitting down, twiddling our thumbs, and waiting for the trumpet of the Lord to sound, and we won't do anything about it. Friend, if we could start getting some Christians, if we could start getting some churches across this country that would get up and start doing something for the Lord, I wonder how many more people we could bring with us when that trumpet sounded. I wonder what we could do, what God could use us to do if we would start to get busy for the Lord. Uh, we need people getting, getting busy for the Lord. The psalmist not only invited the peoples of the earth to receive God's salvation, but also to join Israel in making his salvation known to the, uh, to the world. In the Greek translation of the Old Testament, in verse 2, the word show forth is the word used in the New Testament for preaching uh, the good news and gives us the English word for evangelize. You know what David is saying here in this chapter? David is saying, hey, we need to proclaim the glory of the Lord to all peoples of the earth. We need to evangelize and tell the whole world about the Lord. This was not... Uh, this was not after Christ came and gave the Great Commission. This was long before Christ did that. David had a heart to get the gospel out to the whole world. That is David, the psalmist. And just as David had a heart, we should have a heart to do that too. Psalm 96 employs these words in verse 1, all the earth, verse 3, all people, verse 5, the nations, verse 7, kindreds of the people. I don't know about you, but it's sounding like David is saying, hey, we've got to get the gospel out to everyone we possibly can, wherever they are, wherever man is found, we all ought to be glorifying the God of heaven. Unfortunately, there's many people that think that Oh, there's only a select few that can be saved. Let me tell you what, the gospel's for everybody. The gospel's for every man, woman, child. I don't care what your color is. I don't care where you are, where you live. The gospel's for you. That's who Christ died for. Christ died for all of us. The use of the word heathen in verse 3 reminds us that people are lost from their birth. You realize, you, you know this, and I'll mention this again, but when you were born, you were lost. I was lost. We all were. It was not until we received Christ as our Savior that we could have a home in heaven. When we are born into sin, when we are born into this world, we're, uh, we are heathen. That's what it is. Each person is born a sinner. Ephesians 2.12 uses these words, Without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God, in the world. I don't know about you, but I praise the Lord that that changed in my life. I praise the Lord that there was a time that God threw out the lifeline and I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. That's just exciting. It's, it's exciting enough to make a man want to start running glory laps around the building. 
tell me there's somebody in here. I know I'm in Yankee territory, but tell me there's somebody in here who knows what a glory lap is. Uh, and, hey, I'm from South. I got one. I got one. Amen. Hey, uh, once again, my folks are from Southeast Kentucky. I've seen some weird things, okay? My mom, she was from the snake handling churches, okay? If you don't know what that is, don't ask. It scare you to death. The phrase in verse 5, all the gods of the nations are idols, reminds us that people are lost in their beliefs. You realize there are many, 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 many different religions that tell you different ways to heaven, that tell you different ways to paradise, tell you different ways to, I guess, nirvana, whatever they call it. But they're all lies because there's only one way to heaven. And the whole world, if they don't know the true way of heaven, is bound for a sinner's hell. Uh, I was with a a pastor friend of mine not too long ago, and he was telling me about a missions trip he had taken to New Zealand. Man, I wish I could take a missions trip there. That'd be fun. But he went over there, and he uh, witnessed to two Muslim fellas, and he uh, was straight up front with them and said, hey, I want to know what we can agree on. So he started listing things, said, can we agree that we are all sinners, that we've sinned against Almighty God? They said, yes. Oh, yes, we can agree on that. We're all sinners. Can we agree that the penalty for that sin is death and hell? Yes, we'll agree with you on that. Can we agree that the payment for that sin is the blood of Jesus Christ and that he died to save every one of us, that he is the Son of God? No, preacher, we'll stop you right there. We'll stop you right there. And he asked, why? Why Why are we stopping? Why can't we agree on this? And they told him, because we don't believe that Allah, their God, loves us enough that he would send his son to die for us. People are lost in their religion. People are lost with their idols. People seek God to get overlooked their sin through religion, good deeds, and a a promise to reform their lives. The Lord Jesus Christ has assigned us, you, me, the born-again believer, with the sacred task of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. It is God's will that he be glorified among every nation, tribe, language, and people. It is his will that every individual be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. It's God, that's God's first and foremost will. So many of us were so occupied with that question, what is God's will in my life? Well, if you're here today, you've never received Christ as your Savior. The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish. First and foremost, God's will in your life is you get saved. If you've not got that settled, don't worry about anything else until you settle that. After that, uh, we can, uh, after that what the Bible teaches is, is that we need to follow the Lord and to grow in him. But it is God's personal will that every person on this planet gets saved. Number two, we are compelled when we look above. As with, the re- as with the rest of Scripture, Psalm 96 identifies the glory of God as the foundation for the work of missions. God's glory is re- revealed in the wonders of creation every single day. You can go out into the woods, and I, I ask all kinds of people, please just go out into the woods for five minutes and just sit there and look around. You'll see the glory of God. Uh, God's glory is proclaimed throughout his entire creation. 
uh, those, uh, the people that are foolish enough to say that we evolved from monkeys, that all of this was an accident, uh, that's foolishness. Uh, you can go out into the woods and clearly see that this was planned, that there was a design behind it. Everything glorifies God. In fact, I love what the scripture teaches, that if we all were to stop glorifying God, if we all were to stop preaching about the Lord, the rocks would cry out. You know what that's saying? Nature itself knows there is a God, and nature itself would preach the gospel. God wants his name to be glorified throughout the whole world. He wants people to know about him. Our God desires to be proclaimed. People often say that a person's faith in Christ is a private matter. But you know what? God wants our faith in Christ to be public. God wants our faith in Christ to be known. So many of us Christians, and I'll I'll be honest, I've been there too, we're very shy with our faith. We're very shy with what the gospel says. I tell you what, though, what is very convicting to me huh, is watching the news. You see these riots, you see these protests of these people that are out there promoting debauchery, uh, promoting flat-out sin, and what is one thing that you will notice among these people is that the loud ones, they're very loud and they are proud with what they are proclaiming. A lot of them are convicted about it. You watch... I hate to use him as an example, but you watch those videos from Nazi Germany in World War II. You watch a video of Hitler. I can't understand a word he's saying. I, I don't speak German. But he's up there. He's, he's screaming hate. He's screaming murder. But if there's one thing you can't say about him, he's convicted. Why is it that an evil man such as that, why is it a group proclaiming sin and debauchery or have more conviction in preaching what they believe than the Christian does in proclaiming the gospel of Christ? A person's faith, we ought to be public about that. We ought to be public about the one who saved us. We ought to be public about the one who throws out the lifeline and can save the rest of the world. If, if Black Lives Matter is going to be super loud about what they believe, I want to be louder than, what, than they are in what I believe. I want to proclaim the gospel to the rest of the world. Uh, and we are instructed in verses 1 through 2 to sing, in verse 2 to show forth, and verse 3 to declare. Those are powerful words, aren't they? It almost sounds like David is saying, hey, hey, we've got to get out, we've got to be loud about the glory of God, and we've got to preach while there's still time. God deserves to be praised. God is worthy and deserves all the praise, honor, and worship, and glory that we can give him. You know what God has done. God has created this whole world for you and me. He he has created you from the very conception in your mother's womb. He's created you, and he died for you. He died for me. He died for everybody. He deserves all the honor and praise and glory we can give him. That, that blood he shed on the cross of Calvary, you realize that was over 2,000 years ago. And he did that for you and for me. Before, before we were even a glint in the eye of time, Christ died for every single one of us. I'll end with this. Number three, we are compelled when we look ahead. Psalm 96 is not only a missionary psalm, it is a millennial psalm. It speaks of the coming day when Christ sets up his kingdom on the earth. In verse 10, the phrase, the Lord reigneth, is more than a statement of God's sovereignty over the earth. This phrase refers to the time when God's kingdom will be established. What David is saying is, hey, Lord's coming back. 
Israel is going to be where he sets up his seat of power. That's going to be amazing. That's going to be the new capital of the world. It's going to be amazing to see what God does when he comes back, sits on that throne, and David is praising him. David is saying, this is what is going to happen, and we need to get out while there is still time, and we need to tell all we can about the gospel of Christ. We need to tell all we can that the God of heaven, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob, is the God of heaven, and that we need to serve and worship him. And this is back in the Old Testament when all kinds of foul religions are around. I urge you to do a study on those religions and see what the children of Israel were living with. And David is saying, hey, they need Christ too. The whole world needs Christ. Uh, We'll go ahead and close in prayer and close out the service today. Our dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful time together in Sunday school. We pray that you'll please bless this, the rest of this time together. Please bless the services. Please bless the preachers and fill them with your spirit, with, with your power. In your blessed name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.